Hello, and welcome into this Section 109 podcast. You might be able to hear from my voice that we just had a game yesterday. And this is the hardest podcast of the year so far. As this loss stung a lot, the season is over. This is the first off-season day of the year. I'm here in Studio Breezy. Uh, Mix and Toby are here, and I'm sure they will make a podcast appearance. And I'm here with Matthew to digest what went on yesterday, your moments uh, that you're feeling, how you're feeling emotionally. I know we're going to get something you said to me uh, via text earlier today is that we should get this out as quick as possible because we're only going to get more analytical as time goes on and less good at digesting what happened. Um, and I think that there's a there's an emotional thing as my voice cracks. I promise I'm not about to cry. That might be later. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think that it's worth getting out quickly and trying to uh, you know, talk about how we feel and try to give some meaning to the end of the season. I think in life, it's important to talk about, and, and I, I think men have this problem especially, like where we don't talk about our feelings sometimes. Uh, and I think as a general weird way to open this podcast, that therapy is important for everybody. It's important to, to talk and process what you're feeling, how it makes you feel, why it makes you feel the way you do. And in some odd, odd, strange kind of way, I think podcasting is my soccer therapy. It's really important to talk about and process and process early. Like this, this is raw. I, I'm not exactly sure when this is going to get released. I imagine it'll be fairly quickly from, from recording. Um, it may be like, it may be 24 hours, not even 24 hours from, from the end of the match by the time this thing gets put out in the, in the universe. And it's incredibly raw. It's, incredibly deflating to to be like with a chance not just a chance to, to to win a championship but a chance to like host the final um you know, like the things just kind of set up for us and then it all fell apart and that's brutal and it sucks and it's been a few years since we've ex truly experienced that. Um, and and two years in a row now, we've lost a Nisa semifinal. I do need to just stop saying that. Um, we lost a Nisa semifinal this year. Last year, we happened to get a one-round play-in game that we happened to get into because of some bullshit preseason tournament. Anyway, we're going to open that up, and it just... <laughs> it, that beer, like, actually... Had a little bit of hop in life to it there. That uh, beer went all over me. Uh, unlike the celebratory champagne that I was hoping we'd be popping last night. All right, let's not get too negative with this. Uh, let's kind of talk about the nuts and bolts of what happened. Um, so if you if you missed the game or you know you got too drunk or whatever, we lost or just thought it was a bad dream or just hoped it was a bad dream. Uh, we got Michigan stars. Um, and you know something we said last week, previewing this podcast, and I and I, I said this before the game uh, to several different people as I was extremely nervous. This is the most nervous I have been since 2016, um, and maybe one of the most nervous I've ever been, because in 2016, something 2016 taught me, and for those who don't remember, 2016, we hosted the semifinal with a chance to host the national final. We were the best team in the country. We were the top-seeded team in the country left in the tournament at that time, and we lost in absolutely heartbreaking fashion with two goals after the 80th minute mark to when we were leading the game one nothing to go down uh 2-1 in the final i'm sorry in the semifinal which eliminated us that is the that is the season and the worst sporting event 
of my life. Uh, I was I had full expectation, and it is the hope that kills you, as we always say. I had full expectation that day that we were going to win. I had full expectation going until the first goal went in that we were going to win, and then the second goal went in just minutes after that, and I was stunned, shell-shocked. I have never lived a... And I'm not trying to make this about 2016, but I've never lived a darker sports period in my life. It's actually, I think, changed my sports fandom. Um, it That deepness and darkness and toughness of that loss and how, how much I cared actually pushed me apart from other sports. Um, it, it continued my like going away from, and there goes Toby making his appearance on the podcast. Um, it took me apart from some of those other sports. Like I was a giant baseball fan. I was a much bigger football fan and I'm not, I was already becoming not as much of those, but realizing how much I cared and how sports could be so different um, in the amount of connection and how much it could mean to me really showed me kind of like this was a thing that meant more to me. So I say all that to preface, I went into this game with a lot of hope, but I also did not go into the same naivete that I went into 2016 went with and I knew, and we know, we prefaced this by saying playoffs are a crapshoot, and nothing that happened last night, nothing that could have happened last night, would change the fact that this was a genuinely positive season for CFC, whatever the outcome. It fucking hurts to say that right now. Yeah. And it, and it feels hem- empty and hollow, but it's true. And it feels empty and hollow, not completely, because I, I do believe that, and I still believe that, but emotionally it feels kind of hollow. But last night, we got playoffed. I would posit that we were the better team. Yep. But the Michigan Stars are built to do exactly what they did. They got a goal. They don't get a lot of goals, but when they get one, they are impossible to score against. They're already really tough to score against. They defend like it is the movie for three, the movie 300, and they're the Spartans trying to hold the wall. They're an identity for a team that you have to respect in the sense that they have built a team with a particular identity it is, they've had four seasons to do it. It has not worked one season. They've been pretty darn good in three of those seasons. It's a shitty brand of soccer. It's not actual soccer. It's not trying to play. It's just trying to murder the other team as much as the referee will let you and then maximize your chances at getting a goal and then holding the line. And you know what? In the playoffs, it is a crapshoot. And we didn't get to penalties, which thank God for my heart. But also, once they got that goal, and I'll be really honest, I'm glad they got it early, not late. Yeah it was always going to be next to impossible to to get back in that game because they, I mean, they had two, they had two clearances off the line. Yeah. I mean, they, and the, the amount of times they made, you, you see like this a lot of times in playoff hockey, guys like just throwing their bodies at the puck. Michigan stars were doing that, throwing their bodies at the ball in the box, preventing crosses from the cutbacks coming through, preventing just doing every single little bit they could with lots of numbers back. and But their individual defending was stellar as well. Yes, yes. They rarely got beat one-on-one to destabilize the defense. And if they did, there was two guys right after that guy. For the most part, but here's the thing, man. We created several big opportunities, several big chances. And it goes down to the better team doesn't always win on the single game basis. Yes. And when you get to a semifinals, you have to take your chances. And we simply did not. Yep, we did not take our chances well enough, and they, we did not keep our heads in in moments that we should have, and that caused uh, them to win by them. Even though they got a red card and probably should have had more than one if the referee calls it closer yep. and gives out more cards, they didn't come to play soccer. They chopped us down. They absolutely did not come to play. They were they were playing for penalties. Yeah, 
or, it, or, or playing for the set piece or like playing yes, or yes they, they had two opportunities i mean like they had a couple a couple half chances they had you know, one like, big chance that kevin made an excellent save on with yeah. his foot and then they had the penalty i'm sorry the um header off of a set play and kevin gets a hand on it but it's not able to be yeah. parried yeah out. and and they created a couple off some corner kicks or some free kicks like you know some like very very like small quarter like eighth chances uh stuff that they just you know trying to take stuff off a half volley and either it's a banger or it's you know 30 yards high uh there were there were a few moments like that and look they that, that, but that's what they that's what they do and they showed up to play this brand of soccer from the beginning they got two yellow cards in the first half what do they do at halftime sub them both Subbed them both. They knew they needed every yellow card. You pointed out to me they had a guy that was there for 12 minutes in regulation and got two yellows, meaning he got a red. Like, they came here to use up every yellow card they had to do anything they could possibly do to stop us from playing our game. And that is why the six of the seven games that Rod Underwood has ever coached against Michigan Stars have ended 0-0 because they are unfortunate. Five of seven now. Or, no, six of eight. Six of eight, sorry. Six Six of eight. Because in those six six of those games, and it was the first six, nobody could get on the board because they are built to foil what we are, which is a good team that is trying to play good soccer. Yeah. And look, we got playoffed. We got Michigan Stars, and it just wasn't our night. And it fucking sucks, man. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm proud of the guys for the effort. I am... I'm sad and disappointed for them uh, because I know, I know what it meant to them. You could see what it meant to them at the final whistle. Uh, and you can see like just before, before the goal was scored, after the goal was scored, how they kept pushing, how close they came. You could feel it. And if they, if they happen to listen and I always say, I hope they don't, but if they do happen to listen they need to know that, like, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of their effort. I'm proud that they got it. They understood what it meant to play for Chattanooga Football Club. They they felt they felt the connection to the community, and they played like a community was behind them. And sometimes it just doesn't work. Like, sometimes you just don't get the break on the day. And that really sucks when not getting the break on the day means your season's over. But I think I struggle for words a little bit on on this uh, right now. I think it's just like we we feel it, they feel it, and we feel it. Like it's just it's a gut punch. It's it's completely deflating. Uh, but I don't think we can say this enough that. We love you. There's a reason why we we show up every week. There's a reason why we travel when we can. There's a reason why we podcast. There's a reason why, not just us, but like there's a reason why the fan base shows up. You mean, a regular season game, you get a little bit of rain in the second half, and you might lose, a, you know, two thirds of your crowd. Um, not many people left. A lot of people went to go buy ponchos and came right back down. Not a lot of people left in the rain. Uh. And and not a lot of people were sitting down the last twenty minutes of that game. Yeah, I feel like the whole whole stadium was standing up. Um this place is special. And it's special in part because of that connection with the community. 
that connection between between players and fans, between academy kids and the first team. It, it, it's all of it combined, and it 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 isn't just it isn't just eighteen players that and, and a couple coaches that you know are going to feel sad about a loss that ends their season. I mean, it's 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 an entire community, and that's brutal. Um, yeah, and I think there's something really important here that I should have let off the podcast with, which is, listen, if you're listening to this, players, like, as much as we're all upset that it didn't go our way, you are forever one of us. We are no less proud of you. We are not disappointed in you individually. We're disappointed in the result, but you guys are family. You know, you don't you don't love your family any less when they do something stupid, um, or they lo- or they mess up, or it just doesn't go their way. You love them the same amount, and we love you. Like once a blue, always a blue remains the not only the rallying cry that we use, but remains an absolute fact. You are a part of this family. If you played for CFC this season for the men's or the women's, now that we have both seasons concluded, you wherever you go, you remain a part of this family. And I hope a lot of the guys will be back, but we know the realities, and we'll get into this at the end of the podcast. The realities are that a lot of guys won't be here next year. Yep. That's just the nature of the business. And if the, if you played your Last game for CFC. Thank you. We salute you. If you if this was you know just your next game in in the string of many games that you play for CFC. Thank you, and we're proud of you. And you know we 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 lose together and we win together. Yeah, we celebrate together. And we mourn our losses together. And a little personal note: I didn't make the bar last night. Um, I bought tickets for a comedy show, which was a little bit hollow. Um, that I bought back in like. July. I went back and looked. Actually, it was in July or or June. No, it was June. Sorry, it was in June. I bought them. Uh, assuming that on a Sunday in October, either we would be away uh, playoffs. That'd be the only, or or the game would be on Saturday night. Those would be my only two options, and it'd be no problem. And then, of course, the game got scheduled the same night. Uh, comedy show started at seven, so I scurried off to that after. And um, I don't know. I actually don't know if I regret that or not. I had a lovely time. Um, it was nice to laugh a little bit, but also I, I missed seeing the guys at the bar after. So yeah. I do want to point out something that if you weren't at the bar, you may not have have, have known this. Uh, and and I think the the broader fan base uh, w- w- would be good to hear it as well. I can't shout out enough Caroline Johnson, Jasmine Marquez, and Polly Villalobos for being there at the game, for coming to the bar afterwards. Uh, it is. It is incredible that our, our our women's players also feel that connection and drove into town to support the men's team. Because uh, yeah, none of them are local, if you didn't friend, realize, like friends of theirs, guys they've gotten to know uh, when when they were when they were here in the summer. It's so it means a lot, like from a holistic club perspective, to have you know support from from that side of things and uh, I, I just wanted to give them a shout out real quick um for, and, and, for that and also never forget polly did nothing wrong polly did nothing wrong nothing wrong polly is innocent and will never be proven guilty correct uh let's let's talk a little bit uh yeah let's just move past the emotional sad part yeah. look it sucks, but here's here's the other thing, and this is I told some people last night, and I believe this um, with with every fiber of my being. This is why we do this. It's these emotions are the why we we sports are great. It's why sports are t- also terrible. It's yeah. why, but it's why we do this because these emotions don't come naturally in other ways, right? 
you can't sit at home on your couch and play video games and get the same level of emotion that you can being attached to everything that happens in this team. And look, it sucks to lose, but also it makes winning that much sweeter and it makes hopefully what we will do next year that much sweeter. So moving forward, this is the first year of a cycle. Uh, last year, we ended a two-year cycle under Peter Fuller. We also came out of COVID. It was a very, very weird time. So this was our first year of Rod Underwood. So we had a two-year cycle. We ended that. We all talked about, you can go back and listen to those episodes, how tough it was um, trying to figure out what we were going to do and like where things were going. I do think now, after this year and having had a competitive year, last year finished on a bit of a dud, um, being that we kind of knew we weren't going to be competitive. This year, we felt like the best or one of the two best teams in NISA all year. Going into next year, first of all, I'm feeling much more positive going into next year than I was last year coming into this year. Yeah, I always have hope, but I have genuine optimism that year two of this project is going to see, I hope, real steps forward. Do you echo those sentiments? Yeah, I, I do. I think... I just, I just think we've made... We, some of the things we asked for in in the off season last year was uh, a commitment on, uh, on like you know we have a first team assistant coach now, uh, which which was which was critical and something we didn't have previously. Uh, I think I think you can see that the quality of player we brought in. There's been some investment on that side of things, and I I think I'm I'm really I'm really happy that we've we've met. We've met the standard that we were hoping for, and we uh, we we say we on this podcast. Yes, that we that we were hoping for in the off season. Having done that, and and yes, we came up short uh, in terms yeah. of the playoff aspect. And yes, the goal is still to win a title and bring a title to Chattanooga. Yes, uh, I think I th- I'm optimistic because I think we know. We have an, an an additional year of data, so we we know what what worked, what didn't work, where are places that we can improve. Uh, realistically, where are some market inefficiencies that we will be able to take advantage of? Um, and I think I think we have an idea of what it takes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this club. Uh, and I'm and I, I don't mean specific coach or specific players or, or or really I mean I mean like the holistic club. I don't think the club, a hundred percent understood what it was going to take to win a a pro third division championship, in the first couple years, of 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 operation, uh, from from the the pro like ascending to the pro ranks. I think we understand what it takes now, uh, and. I think I I'm also I'm also optimistic that you know we've got a good core in place. Uh we'll get to the roster kind of stuff later. But like, we've got a good a good core in place. Uh some some really good players and you know I think a, a good a good coaching staff. And I think they're going to be able to build on this year and and improve it for year 2. And I am I, I and I am I am hopeful and and excited to watch that evolution because I do think there's going to be some sort of ev- evolution in in the system and, and in the tactics because there always is number one and and number two I think we've seen what it takes and we've talked about this a lot both on and off air we we are who we are this season 
in 2022. Like we were, we were always that kind of team. We were going to struggle in these types in, in these types of games against these types of opponents. We've always struggled breaking down bunkered teams. Which, by the way, everybody does. It just it's harder when you're the one who dictates the game. Yes, as we said, everyone has to adjust to us in this league, right? Everybody, we play our game no matter who we're playing against. The Michigan Stars do adjust when they play a team that is inferior talent wise to them. They do not bunker in. They play smart, but they go forward. They play their game. When they play against a team that is better than them, us and Cal United and to a certain extent Albion and others, they sit back. They adjust yeah. their game plan. For better or for worse, we do not adjust. We are who we are. And I think where you're going with this is one of the things we've said about this season is that we've adjusted some tactically with the way we've closed out games. We talked a lot about that on this podcast. I do think going forward, you will see a secondary plan that might be a little more evident. And hopefully we'll be talking about it on this podcast. It is a little bit more evident when it doesn't work. When plan A doesn't work, do we have a plan B? This year, we didn't have a lot of plan B in part because it's the first year of a cycle with a new coach, new players, and a new system. How are you going to fully in, uh, implement a second style when your first style is so demanding and so tactically just precise? Yeah. We got better and better as the season went on at our first thing. We really couldn't focus on a second thing. We just tweaked our first thing to be a little bit different in different ways. And I think where you're going with this, correct me if I'm wrong, is that we should, in year two, hopefully, of this cycle, have a bit of an evolution in how we can approach games, meaning... I don't think you'll see us go into games completely differently from one game to another, but I think you might see while the game is going on some changes that are a little more drastic than just dropping one player a little deeper. Yeah. You may have changes of personnel off the bench that are, are far different, or you may have the change to a two-striker system, for example, as a as just a random thing, there, which we haven't done, that we haven't really done this year. Um, but those are options that may happen next year depending on how things go. Yeah, yeah, that, that that is where I'm going with this, uh, and I and I think in order in order to win a championship, I think we're gonna have to have that club in the bag and like truly in the bag. Uh, I think a lot of times we we would try to bring off we would bring on a player as a substitute to try to change the game a little bit. What what do you always say? But you never they were never really changed. Personnel is policy. Personnel is policy, and I think we had we ended up with a lot of the same types of parts. Yep, and that's not that's no that is no slight to any player. Yeah, no, that's but, just that's just how that's just how it unfolded. Chris Bermudez, Ali Hernandez, Ian Cerro, and to a slightly different extent, those three though especially are very similar types of players. They are different players. They have some different strengths and weaknesses, but they're all smaller technical players. Yeah, None even, of, I mean even Damian uh, da- to a, to a large degree. Yes, uh, though, though Damian plays in the wing, and Damian and Brett were a little bit more yin and yang uh, to a certain extent. But you look at those players in the midfield especially, and we did not have the ability to bring on, for example, and we did bring on several times a center back named Nick Spielman into the midfield, but we did not have the option to bring on a six foot three. It could have been Colin Stripling, but we've talked about he was the starting center back. You didn't have an option to bring on a six foot two or six foot three person that would go box to box, that would help close out games defensively, that would sit deeper, that would provide a different physical yeah. look. Not just a different technical look, because you, all of player, all players on this team will be able to be good technically and play well technically. It's a, we, it's a requirement. But we did not and do not currently, as the roster sits one day into the offseason, have that change of pace in the midfield in particular, but in other places as well. And when you're trying to change up a game because something is not working, we don't have uh, we don't have that tool in our tool belt. And I think 
that's something you'll see is maybe not uh, in roster building. Whoever goes, whoever comes, you'll see some different types of players brought in size-wise, especially physicality-wise. I don't know that for sure. I've not heard that from Rod, but that feels to me like the next evolution is having more tools, as you said, in the toolbox, more clubs in the bag, et cetera, et cetera. And and different types of clubs. Yes, correct. Um, So do do you want to wrap up anything else? I think, so the plan for the podcast... Uh, now that it's the off season, is we've, we're going to have a hopefully a series of of different pods, uh, and one of them is going to be a, a true season recap. Uh, go over the season as a whole, review some of the results, relive some of the highs, relive some of the lows, talk about each player's contributions, uh, and some memories that we have for each player. Um, I don't know if we'll have ros- roster decisions by that time, whenever we actually record that or not, uh, but. We'll we'll do a a full season recap for sure at at some point, and then we'll get into the rest of the a more analytical and a less yeah. a less emotional. Though we've been, you know, I think we our we're DNA putting, is we're the, putting on a good face right now. Yeah, very much so. Uh, our DNA, yours and mine, is to be pretty analytical about this. It's the yeah. p- thing that we get obsessed with. Um, but we will take a very analytical look, I think, at the roster and whatnot. Um, I will. I will say these are some of our ideas for the offseason. Uh, we hope that folks keep listening um, into the offseason. And if you have more ideas that we don't say, please send them our way. Send them our way. Um, so we're hoping to do a coach's postseason review with Rod and maybe Chris. We're still waiting on confirmation of that, but that is our hope. Um, we're hoping to get Jeremy Allenby in here sometime during the offseason. Um, just talk about the season that was, talk about the plans for the future, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, semifinal review, which unfortunately we're doing right now, um, win or lose, uh, that was uh, oh, that, was op- that was optimistic. Um, an end of season review, which is what you just talked about. Uh, we're hoping to get a special guest in here to talk about all things NISA. We'll see how that works out. A roster returners pod, where hopefully we can talk about whoever's coming back. Last year it was really, really fun to talk about how we thought players that can't, were coming back were going to fit into Rod's system. Um, I think it'd be really fun to review some of those players piece by piece. And you know, if you look, if you look at a guy like Taylor Gray, for example, where do you think he can go if he's coming back? How do we think he fits in? Et cetera, et cetera. And that could go for any player. Um, then I have a, a really I have a fun pep pet not pep project uh, 2022 CFC versus Pep Man City. Um, we'll see if we do that. A 2023 resolutions pod and then a section 109 podcast awards. So if you have idea for podcast awards, please give us those um, via the the social medias. But yeah, that's what we're hoping to do for the end of the year. We're hoping to get nine more after this one uh, to finish off with an even 50. Uh, podcast for to meet year. to meet our resolution to meet, to meet one of our new well to meet the challenge it wasn't truly a resolution but it was a challenge that I laid out in the resolution pod yeah. Um, so yeah let's Matthew give us a very quick before we wrap this up um, I don't think anyone wants to listen to a, la- a long sad podcast maybe just a short sad podcast to end this season uh, you have an off season roster building thing listed here what is the off season going to look like for CFC maybe folks haven't listened in previously in an off season maybe people haven't been really plugged in so kind of give us a give us a preview so with um, so we didn't get a chance to really do this last year because there was a coaching change and so many un- unknown variables going in. Uh, but if you want to know, here's roughly, roughly how the offseason is going to go when it, when it comes to players. So uh, the first step is setting a budget, which I assume has already been done for next season. What, what we're going to spend on like what we're allocating to spend on players. Yep. And if that hasn't been done, it will be done early. We won't ever know that total, unfortunately, but it will be, it will be the first step in this off season plan for the club. The next, uh, w- once you get a budget, you kind of know what, what you've, uh, what you've got to, to work with. 
and you'll be able to determine. Uh, obviously, they know who is who is is on what kind of contracts. How are contracts normally structured in lower division soccer, Matthew? Oftentimes, contracts are structured on a one year plus a club year option. So, and occasionally a two year plus one year club on a, option. on occasions. It is very very rare, and it does happen sometimes, but it's very rare for an option not to be included. Uh, there are players without options, but those are players who bet on themselves. They generally take a lesser contract, yeah. significantly less money because there's no team option on the end. But they are betting that when they finish their year, that they will have many suitors that playing for less money will have uh, done better for their career than leaving because it's never, unfortunately, never a mutual option. Um, it is all, always a club option. Yeah. That is just how the business works. And the club always has the first right of refusal. And so the club will have options on I would guess about three quarters of the players on the roster. That is an educated guess. We don't actually know, but ballpark. I think that's a fair a fair assessment. In which case, and I, I mean that some guys might be on their option year, so they might not have an option. But I yeah, think three yeah. quarters of guys in general in lower division soccer have options on their contracts. Right. Um, ballpark. So so we'll take we'll take a look at number one. Is anyone under contract already for next year? Um, and by we, you mean the club. Yes, yes. A lot of we's in this is not the podcast. Any, any, yeah. The, the podcast has a Because unfortunately, they're not going to listen to us. Though, Rod, if you happen to listen to this, like, you know, get us in the office. We'll give you some <laughs> advice. We'll give you some completely, I guess at that point it would be solicited, but very unsolicited <laughs> advice. Because I got takes. So you'll, you'll take, you'll take what you know is coming back, who is already under contract. You will add that to the players that you have a club option on, who you want to bring back. And, and, and that could depend on, you know, what was their production level? Uh, how did they fit into the the team into the system and like what's their what's their option contract like i will also point out there is a possibility that during this season that a player signed a deal that carried them in through next season so for example we don't know for sure but a player could have renewed their contract through next season during this season yeah. meaning that they're it's not just the original 2 year plus 1 or 1 year plus 1 there could also be players who were on their option year that may have already signed for next year yeah. plus an option year or whatever and, else. and we just never and we, know we that. just won't know that we won't know their contract situation in general we will only know when they say they are returning but i just want for those that are nerdy like us that are maybe interested in how contracts work that's how they work yeah so once you once you take kind of take apart what you what you know you have what you want to have return and and, and cost and budget like factors into that like a guy a guy might might be making or might stand to make too much money on on their contract for the option year and the club thinks they can find a better value somewhere else that's like the shitty business part of lower division soccer that makes this so hard once you get that uh that kind of all those kind of decisions made you look at what you have and you look at what you don't have and you look at the open market um just all the players that are out there and you start seeing like what's going to be available in what positions with what we need, uh, and you start you just start building from there. You'll, they'll make their decisions on players, whether to activate their options or to release them. They'll make decisions on players that are uh, are free agents uh, that are out of contract entirely, uh, and we might tell some of them you know, thank you, but we're gonna we're gonna move in a different direction. And some of them we will will offer a new contract to. And by the way, I think we will see, I don't think we said this, I think we will see all of those meetings, I shouldn't say all, it is my guess that most, the vast majority of those option meetings will happen before the guys leave town in the next week. Yeah. Um, I, 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 would, I would assume so, I don't know. That's like, not, yeah, yeah, I have no data on that, but I do know that normally, um, 
you play uh, the coaching staff is going to want to have certainty for the guys so they can if they know their options are picked up and I think probably a lot of the guys November 30s when their option gets picked up technically or something like that it's usually a lot of times the end of the month is when they have until most of the time a good club a club that cares about their players and CFC is one of those clubs is not going to hold those players until the end of the option period they're going to let them know hey at the end of the option period by the way we're not picking up so go ahead and go go talk to other teams thank you for your service etc yeah. etc I imagine most of those guys most of them if not all of them, will have their exit meetings um, with the coaching staff and be told where, where they sit or where they stand, I should say, with the club, whether they're going to renew their options before they leave in the next week or so. No, I got no guarantees there, but I just expect that they will know that. When we will know, unfortunately, I don't know. It could be weeks. It could even be months until we know. I hope it's weeks because I hope we can you know, get to nerding out sooner rather than later. Thank the guys that are not coming back for their service and tell them how we love them and then you know, look, think about and talk about the guys that are coming back and look at what we might be replacing them with. Yeah, and, and speaking of that, you'll the, the kind of next step after after those first few is if the coaching staff has been and and will continue to identify players that they think are going to fit. Uh, they'll start recruiting them, talking to their agents. Now, start as players go out of contract, start talking to them directly. Oh, and especially as teams across lower division soccer have now finished up their seasons, the yes. majority of them. And and, and, they, and all these other teams are going through the same stage and process that we are as well. We'll be making those phone calls, and then we'll start. You know, we'll start recruiting, offering contracts to the players that we are that we really really want. You know, getting the business done. It, I, I think I think we're going to try to get our business done as, as fast as possible, or at least as much business as we can, because at some point in time, you you get you offer the first deals you can, you try to get those players signed and get that part done, and at some point everyone kind of stops, because you're waiting for, uh, oftentimes this this crop of college, uh, like college players that have finished their eligibility, to come through the system, to go to the MLS draft, to go into camp with MLS teams. And that generally, some a lot sometimes those players don't get picked up. They can get drafted by an MLS team and not get signed. So then they're out looking for a contract. And some of these players might be really like really good, like USL Championship quality players, which creates knock on effects because sometimes players that are tr- on trial at a USL Championship club get bought or, or by someone who was on trial at an MLS club, right? Get gets dropped, which then drops the next layer down, and eventually that trickles down like to the lower. The, the further lower divisions. So at some point you kind of teams will start waiting around, uh, especially teams that are all in the same kind of budget area, start waiting around for what, where the drops come, who comes available like out, out, out of nowhere, so to speak. And then like there's kind of a flurry during preseason. We will already be back into preseason. I mean, how many guys do you think we had in camp? We had another 25 extra guys in camp. Yeah. At the beginning of the yeah. camp. Roughly. We, we signed, we signed several players quickly from from that first week two three weeks of camp and, and uh, everybody pre-season. everybody will do that everybody that, that's fairly normal and then and then hopefully you know by and we started the season before we actually finalized the roster uh we played a couple of games before i think our last signing was chris bermudez before he was signed but generally speaking we'll want to have everything pretty well sewn up before the first regular season game uh, but this is a, if you think about the first regular season game, probably going to be, end of, we'll just say end of March. That's November, December, Jan- January, February. Jan- January comes after December, yeah. That's five That's five months now. It's probably not five full months. It's probably like four it's and a half. It's probably, yeah, because probably you're four and a half. And I would, I would think that we will probably, there's a lot of new MLS three teams coming in. Correct. Um, MLS D3 is going to throw a giant wrench in this market. 
Um, there's also a ton of players that came out last year and will be coming out this year with the extra COVID eligibility. So people got an extra year. Maybe they redshirted in there and got an extra COVID eligibility year. Maybe they got injured, and so they took that redshirt, and they had the extra COVID eligibility year still. So I think it's going to be very interesting. I expect, and this is genuinely not based on anything, um, but I hope... I expect that we will try to get as much of our business done early as possible. I would think I would think so. Because we are a destination club. I think it's pretty easy to say we're the we're the club that players will most likely want to play for in Nisa, not just because of the fans, but that's a big portion of it, but also because no state income tax because we our checks don't bounce because we we play in a, a very stable environment. And this is year 2 of Rod being here. So I would expect that we will try to leverage that fact yeah early on get as many done early and so you know let's say we're building a 22-man roster for example i don't know what numbers they'll put but i wouldn't be surprised if we get 14 or 16 guys done in the first month or two and not necessarily announced but like right 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 but before they, we even get to the start of camp but between returners and them like signing guys they're going to get you know i know we're getting real granular here but they're going to try to get i would think about three quarters of the roster done and then or at least i hope i sure fucking hope because I, I really think that we have to leverage our strength. And I think one of our strengths is that guys are going to want to be here. And I don't want to be relying on guys dropping down and then going, oh, where can I go? I don't want to be the best of the rest. We're going to get a couple players that way. We always do. You yeah. always wait for drop downs. But I hope we get our business done early. I hope we fill whatever holes are left by by departures. And by the way, the it's not the only way that someone can depart is by getting cut or not renewed or leaving because they want to go somewhere else, which can also happen. The other piece is... We saw this last year. Some guys might retire. Yep. And some guys, some guys are getting to that age, right? Think about a Juan Hernandez who like we see is at the twilight of his career. I, I suspect, and I, I don't actually know, but looking at his Facebook messages, not his Facebook posts saying, thank you, Chad Nugan, all those things. I kind of suspect he's headed for retirement. We'll see. But it's not just guys like that. Remember Ian McGrath just up and retired in the middle of a season. Uh, Kyle Carr up and retired in the middle of a season. Yeah. And that's, the, the, the end of a season, but like kind of the middle of a calendar season. Middle of a like calendar, was, yeah. yeah. Middle of a calendar. But those two guys, I would, I think, still had a lot of soccer to play. Yeah. And this is a grind for a lot of guys. And James Kasak got renewed. Yeah. Signed and then retired in the offseason. And then turned and up Kasek's, turned up in, in Boyd's, Maryland. Love that man. Um, Kasak's 23. So I just want to point out, like, there are guys that will decide that, especially if they have a college degree and they played college soccer, that, hey, this is not for me anymore. And there's no shame in that. Absolutely you, not. You pursue the dream as long as you're willing to pursue the dream and, and as long as you can wear the, the blues. And then when you're done, you're done. But whatever reason you depart, we fucking love you. And yeah. we're proud of you. And we're proud to call you one of our own and your CFC family forever. Absolutely. Well, Matthew, I think that's a pretty good... Um, preview of what the offseason is going to look like and a little bit of our plans. Um, I think I think it's a good way to wrap up a, a overall sad and emotional weekend. Weekend, yeah. Yeah, but also a really a little, really, a little optimism, a little... It was also a really good weekend. Uh, the tailgate was awesome. The The supporter section was awesome. The stadium was at 3,200 people on a night that it rained and was predicted to rain and was gray all day. Um, yeah. Look, I that really sucks because I really thought we'd get 5K. But considering the weather, yeah, it's not fucking bad. Um, it's not it's not great, but it's not bad. And like you said, most people still stuck around, uh, even through the rain. So thank you, players. Thank you, coaches. Um, sad that it's over, but also excited and optimistic for the future. Guess what? Off season starts now. The twenty twenty three season starts today.
Welcome to the 2023 season. See you, fellas. And ladies. I bet we have no lady listeners, but maybe we do. (laughs) 